0: Hi there. This podcast was recorded in early 2023. With the acknowledgement that our world and current events shift every day, we hope you enjoy this slice of life from our community's voices. The human story is the search for belonging. From childhood to adulthood, in joy and in struggle, we all sit in questions of how to make sense of it all. What is our place? Why are we here? What is our story of searching? Join us in conversation with community members, each sharing some of their own story. I am Ben Spratt, and this is Belonging. So grateful to get to be in conversation with you, Cantor Yakano. So our prompt is going to be rather general here. And it really is in understanding that this is a community filled with different stories, each person carrying a different thread and narrative. One of the things that weaves us together, weaves us into a larger arc of Jewish community is simply the search for belonging. So we'd love to begin by asking to hear from you a bit about your personal search for belonging.
1: So I spent a long time um, belonging pretty successfully to an identity that I assumed in high school in order to hide my actual identity and the things that I was feeling. So, um, of course, you know, I was in the closet, and I knew that the faith in which I had been raised wasn't fitting anymore. But in high school, I hunkered down, and I just didn't want to be seen. Sometimes belonging is the best camouflage, and if you find something that really fits that you're good at putting on <laughs> you wear it and you never take it off and so it meant that i was part of groups that i would just be i would be so embarrassed to share about today you know i i practice espousing things that i actively speak out against today because the best way to not be noticed was to not keep your head down it, it's actually not true But to be an amplifier for what the people around you are saying, the people with power, the people you can hide behind. And I was swept up in it. And it was Central Texas. And it was the early 2000s. And it was the tea party. So I just pointed my finger the same direction everyone else was pointing theirs. I said the things they were saying, and sometimes I tried to one-up them. And it was so damaging. Because I wanted to belong to something that wasn't actually me Hmm.
0: so even in the ways in which that might have felt like you were abandoning authenticity you gained a sense of belonging a sense of conformity with this larger society so what caused you to want to or be willing to abandon that or let that crumble
1: (sighs) until i was around 18 i prayed every night that god would make me straight And there comes a time in which you just don't want to fight anymore. And I guess I knew it was never going to work. And I just had to admit myself that I didn't want it to work. I didn't want to be different. I just wanted a different world. And that's when I had to start moving away from that group. And what was hard was in order to really fit in. You align your worldview so completely. And so it meant that I had to disentangle myself politically from things that no 17-year-old in the world should actually feel that tied to. But I was convinced that I had this stake because I just didn't want anybody to know the real me. But I went to college and it was in my first attempt at undergrad. I was laying in bed one day and I was praying. It's my favorite way to pray. And I said to God, I just, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. And I said, well, just show me something to say that, like, if I give in, if I come out, if I'm myself, show me that it'll be okay. Mm. And I just needed something. And and it was so simple. All of a sudden the moon you know, the clouds shifted and a little bit of moonlight shone through the window onto my chest mm. just at that moment. And, you know, I was like, you know, I will seize that coincidence and I will call it divinity. And I was free at that moment. And then the next day, like I told my friends, I'm gay. and It was, it was just the strangest relief because all of a sudden everything, my whole life was obviously different. All of a sudden, I'm operating as a as the real me, whom I have not been for 18 years. So it's like it was free. You're out, you're being yourself, and yet you've never been yourself before. So who are you?
0: So how did your friends react? How was the response to you finally revealing? maybe the part of you that some of them were aware of, but that the majority of the world hadn't really borne witness to.
1: Absolutely. Nobody cared.
0: Hmm.
1: Absolutely. Nobody like almost comically. It was like a pat on the back. People would be like, Oh, that's great. I was almost embarrassed to have struggled so hard with something that then so many of my friends were just like, yeah, you're, you're a few years late to the party, dude, (laughs) you know, and so then when I went to synagogue for the first time and in the pew in front of me was an order of service booklet for the week before that advertised Pride Shabbat. Hmm. I just I realized I had exported all of the things I'd learned from my tiny corner of religious experience that I'd grown up with. And I had assumed that was normal for every other religious experience. I loved that Judaism didn't offer me a box to check off and just say, you are here, you accept the terms and conditions and now you get all of this. And instead it said, you have to be involved a little bit more than that. You have to come and feel this community as your community and these people as your people. You know, the number of times our prayer book reminds us that we are connected to each other was something I'd never experienced. I was used to praying in a vacuum, even in a mega church of 3000 people. I was alone with everyone else. And the first time I'm in a synagogue being chanted at in Hebrew that I did not understand, I felt like I was participating in something for the first time.
0: You know, I love thinking of the namesake of being Ivrim, of being Hebrews, of being boundary crossers. You know, yeah. that there's a almost an innate queering of identity that comes from that kind of moniker, that kind of namesake, and this idea that the state of mind we're we're most commanded to return to is that of being the marginalized person, the outsider, the stranger. And it's interesting to think about what are the challenges that come with that lived experience, but what are the benefits and the blessings that come? And so I'm curious for you, having experienced both what it is to be the insider— and being the outsider, and the insider again, and the outsider again, (laughs) and a life of both of these kind of uh, layers in tension, what do you see as the biggest challenges and the biggest blessings that have come from feeling that marginalized place?
1: I'll answer it backwards, because it really is a unique privilege. Hmm. You know, I, I get to join this community, I get to stand in it as an historian, someone whose past isn't connected necessarily to um, an idealized expectation. And I think more and more as a community, we are letting go of these idealized experiences of Judaism. Um, but I don't know of many faiths that in the middle of their sensual blessing would stand up and say, and blessed is the righteous convert. Mm. And so I never struggled to find peace in who I was in community, I just kind of got to take it, take for granted that that Judaism wanted me. Just was never going to come knocking down my door to come get me. As far as the the other half of the question, the only time it's a problem, and it's a very superficial pain, it's like a it's like a pinch, is when someone makes an assumption. When someone asks about my bar mitzvah or going to summer camp. And it's not because that's insulting. And and it's not because we shouldn't assume that all of us have, you know, birth origins in Judaism. It was that then I had to have the conversation about my conversion as a disclaimer, as as like to qualify my answer. When instead I'd much rather just right off the bat, let you know exactly who I am as a Jew. In the same way that I, I... I go, I go to um, a grocery store or a restaurant, or I'm talking to someone, and they assume my wife mm. is at home. I have absolutely no qualms. I'm so proud to tell people about my husband, but when I have to begin the conversation, oh, actually, I'm married to a man. It feels a little bit, it feels a little bit defensive, but it's it's a very superficial. It, it only ever smarts. Because I find that the inclusion, the celebration, it's been part of Judaism day one. I mean, I'm in the Torah. It's hard to feel not part of the tale. I just didn't take a traditional route.
0: It's interesting. I I think about um, uh, just recently in the Torah, there's this beautiful line where... um, god is saying i will be with you uh, as a resident stranger is and um what's fascinating is um, one of the great hasidic commentators actually lifts up the idea that it indicates that god is a resident stranger and it is therefore the person who dwells at the margins that actually is the person who is with god most And I'm wondering if you're willing to go a little bit more into your theological journey, Um, you know, thinking about that night as you were praying and the moonbeam on your chest that you've chosen to see as a sign. Now, as you look back over the journey and your search for belonging, where have you found God with you in that journey?
1: (laughs) I just want to start by saying it must be so lonely to be God. Hmm. I think about that all the time what would you do? What would I do? Mm. It, like, who is like you? Well, you know, it's a rhetorical question because no, nobody, nothing. How lonely. Mm. As a child, I believed that amen or amen at the end of a prayer was signing off. That's how you let God know, I'm finished. You can move on to somebody else. And otherwise, you were leaving God on the line. Mm. <laughs> um, and just recently... I have realized I need God on the line. I, I don't say over and out at the end of my prayers anymore because I'm at a point in my life where they're never over. I don't want God to walk alone because I don't ever want to be alone again. I don't ever want to feel alone. And so I try to live in a way that is like, at all times, like having a three-way conversation. Like we're all conference called in with God at all times. Cause if God's a stranger and I've been a stranger and I know how that feels, I don't want her to feel left out cause it's, it's just, it's the worst. You feel small, but not small in a good way. Like small, when you stand under the sky, you feel small in a way that doesn't matter. Not small in it's because of your insignificance that you're significant. And and I don't I don't want God to feel that.
0: Mm.
1: I don't want to say conversation's over anymore.
0: Mm. So keeping that conversation open, keeping a dynamic as you are perpetually reaching out to God and maybe God reaching out to you. How do you feel like your experiences in this journey and searching so far play into your calling as a cantor?
1: I want to be there for everyone else that isn't sure where they fit. Because I know that voice is somewhere in all of us. And I just, I imagined how I felt as a kid walking into any random church. We weren't churchgoers. And how I felt like a kid in the cafeteria who didn't have anybody to sit next to. Mm. And that's just, it's the last place you should ever feel that way. And I wanted to do this so that, like, people who weren't sure if they were doing it right could know that their experience was kosher. Sort of like if they let me through this <laughs> if they let me into seminary okay cool that's proof if they ordain me okay cool that's proof if i get hired somewhere <laughs> okay that's proof and i just i want to keep doing that i want to keep being a footnote in the experience of religion that says no Religion is not X, Y, and Z, easy thing to essentialize. Religion is complicated and sometimes beautiful and often can include any and all of us.
0: And I love going back again to that illustration of dynamism, you know, that I think sometimes we bring the, you know, amazing grace type of frame of, you know, once we're lost and now we're found, and in reality, similar to theology. We're beings in motion and the universe in motion. And and there is a reason why we tell our Torah tale of being in search of a homeland, of a promised land, only to then roll right back and be on the journey again. And I, I love that you have such access to that in your own narrative, because inevitably, even those of us who in this moment might feel a real sense of security and belonging, there will be something that upends that personal or global and so I wonder when you think about Roda Shalom, when you think about pouring yourself now into community, into this great experiment of community creating, what do you feel like are the necessary components for this to be a place of belonging for others?
1: Ah. First and foremost, I think you have to trust that everybody wants to be on the same page. Not that everyone is coming here for the same thing, but that everybody who's here has something they need, and they're all coming to the same place for that need. That trust is already... You know, you don't don't want to be the only kid looking for that spot in the cafeteria. But if you come here knowing that everyone is sheepishly carrying their tray, it's suddenly not lonely. We're suddenly part already before we've said hello to a single person. We're all doing the same thing. We came here looking for understanding or connection. For me, that's enough. For others, I would say there are so many ingredients in here that you can make whatever in this crazy kitchen that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that there's something that's pulling Jewish community to itself because we just have to. I feel a lot of responsibility because I want to deliver a product that everyone's going to go home with and cherish, but I know that's not actually possible. And so I think the the beauty of a community like this is learning enough and finding out what people need and trying to be the greatest resource I can to spark, you know, who's going to be the next kid that's going to go to a local bookstore and read every single book on something? Mm. I want to be the placeholder for someone else's passion that they did not even realize they have.
0: So now from this place, and now being a person who is trying to create a space of belonging for others, to try to be the person who nurtures, cultivates, supports the next person reading every book, maybe at the Strand instead of Borders. <laughs> If you could go back and say anything to your 18-year-old self, what would you say?
1: Oh, gosh. I'm so lucky to be where I am today, knowing where I was not very long ago. And there's a part of me that thinks that just like sort of throwing my hands up in the air and saying, all right, I'm a Lego Lego. It's kind of how I got here. Maybe I would just say, keep doing it. No. I, I don't know, keep looking. At 18, I was I was pretty committed to the search. I think I just pat myself on the
0: shoulder. A, such a powerful frame. Again, I think sometimes the knee-jerk reaction in hearing a person say, I'm grateful for the journey, is to see everything on the journey is then therefore inherently a blessing, Mm. which is different than saying everything in the journey was necessary for blessing. And I think that's what I'm hearing. Tell me if I get that wrong here. And that I think in of itself for anyone who's suffering alone, struggling in pain, feeling a sense of abandonment um, or marginalization Sounds like what you're suggesting is not that that is actually the place of blessing, but more that that experience may be the necessary component to reach for blessing, to reach for belonging. So, then, in a world where so many of us are doing everything that we can to claw our, our, our way into conformity, stagnancy, ease, what would you say to the world?
1: I would say, buy yourself a shiny pink tote bag and ride the train through Manhattan. There's absolutely no point in conformity. I think if we could shed conformity... I, I, I think what's under that is like this, this shame of sticking out. This fear that you're not doing something right. And I wonder... and I I can't speak to this because I wasn't born Jewish. I wonder if there's something to this idea that if you've inherited the tradition, you have more to lose Mm. if you do it wrong. I just... You've got to do it your way because every great Jew did. So if you find something that is like a way to comfortably stand out, I think you should. You know, the people that God talked to, (laughs) they definitely stood out. You know, I, I don't know if today we'd choose the same people. Our world is very different. But nobody ever, you know, made a glorious scene because God couldn't tell them apart from someone else. I think if we're going to be called, then we're going to be people who come to our communities, giving of ourselves so that we contribute to a greater good. We have to bring our gifts. What makes us the most us, you know, as, was it, as the Zusha, uh could teach us. Um, but conformity, save that for services when we all bow at the same time. Mm. That's when we get to experience that. That's when it's safe to for a second be lost as an individual in a communal experience.
0: Beautiful. I can't imagine a better way of capturing what is the search of belonging is to recognize that ultimately, as you said, it is a different path for every one of us in that search. And that sometimes we equate belonging with conformity only to discover that actually conformity is often the very thing that holds us back from walking the path that gives us our sense that I, we individually, in our own unique way, belong. I want off of gratitude. You are such a blessing, Stephan. Um Really, I, this is such, what an incredible conversation. That really, I mean, with no, outside of like a general frame, that you could just <laughs> dive in. I mean, this was just filled with wisdom and gleanings and opportunities for people to be held. Um, this is amazing. Thank you.
1: Just trying to return what Jewish community has always given me.
0: Thank you for joining us and listening to this story of belonging. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Ben H. Sprett. For more information about CRS, visit us online at RoadOfShalom.org.